Hello and good morning to you, my beloved brothers and sisters in the Lord. Of course, it's your brother, Pastor Chid Jacob, and I'm here to bring to you today's episode of our ongoing fellowship with the Word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you for your word of life. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. Thank you for you have made us perfectly righteous. Thank you because of because you are bringing us back to where you always wanted us to be. Restoring our identity. Restoring the fullness of our glory. That we may show you forth to this world. That in us, all that you are will be revealed and experienced. We give you all of the praise. Thank you for this union that we share together. Thank you, Lord, that you have made us, a, you have made a home as a father. You have made a home for us, a permanent home in you. Thank you, Lord. What the glory we share. Thank you, Lord. We give you the praise and we give you the glory. And everyone who prayed with me this morning would say aloud, Amen and Amen and Amen. Beloved. It is very simple. Only a God can do like God. Only God can do like God. Human beings, we do like human beings. A human being can never behave like God. It's as simple as that. A human being can never. When I say human being, I'm talking about a fallen man in Adam. He is unable to do beyond his conditioning. Is as simple as that. And unless that conditioning be changed, he will continue to do just like he is a man. You know, like one of the things I learned earlier, you know, and it's all coming together to me now, is somehow, I don't know how I came to that conclusion. I just said, you know, the best of a man uh, will always be a man. Not, that, And of course, I heard people use the phrase, but it became real to me. Because I remember back in the day when we um, when we thought we were saved, when we got saved, as we used to say, and, uh, you know, got baptized and, you know, started, uh, you know, I remember the first things I started to learn was how to do uh, seven days of fasting, six to six. And, you know, I wanted to be different and do different. And in the midst of that, um, we happened to discover that um, the pastor, an elderly man who was teaching us, counselor, a very good man who was teaching us, counseling us, and in fact, he was the one who baptized me personally. And we, he was caught in the middle of, uh, of a fraud. Um, the money, I remember that money was given to me. It was a tithe then. I mean, that's a lot of money. 150000 back in the day was a lot of money. And I remember that tithe was given to me, handed over to me, and I handed it over to him. And he could not account for it. He just could not account for the money. And he's a good man, very good man. Then we found that the story was longer than that. And everybody was, a lot of people, everybody was disappointed. Everybody was shouting now, how can this man do this? I remember I was at peace because I said to myself, you know, that the best of a man will always be a man limited by environment, limited by circumstance. And when you now pick that up, when you open up what happened, you know that these are not intentionally, this man wouldn't do that. But circumstances, situations, specifically family situations around. Now, 
when I when someone like me will say stuff like this, people will say, "Oh, so are you now condoning fraud and are you now condoning?" You know, it is only men with hardened heart will say something. No, nobody's condoning that. Of course, you know what Jesus did when they brought the woman caught in adultery. He simply said to them, "Well, that's fine, no problem, but." You who wants to pass the judgment, let's make sure you are perfect to pass the judgment. You know, if you haven't done any wrong, well, be the first one to cast a stone and everybody left. Jesus wasn't doing that because he was condoning the act. He was just showing that none of us have the, none of us is in a better place to judge anyone. We judge, we condemn each other. Why? Why do we do that? Because of where we are operating from. Now, so what I'm trying to share with you this morning is that it takes a God to behave like God. Human beings will always behave like human beings. If a human being is not elevated above his human beingness, let me put it that way. If a human being is not elevated above his human beingness, he can, the best he can do is human being. It's as simple as that. You know, that is why Jesus did not come to give us laws and more laws and more laws. Before he came, there were plenty already. There were plenty. And because the people who were prouding themselves as keepers of the law was not keeping it. That's why when you read the gospel, gospels, he came and he elevated it to them. He said, okay, Shebi, you want to deal with God with respect to the laws. Let me now give you the correct version. The Bible says, that shall not kill. They say, yes, we never kill. Jesus said, okay, you never kill because you reduce the law. You reduce it to where you think you can keep it. That's what you have done. You reduced it because for you, killing in your own kingdom, in your own understanding, in your religion, killing is when you take a gun, you kill somebody physically, or you take a knife, you kill somebody, or you poison somebody. That's one. That's what, because you are man of the flesh, you must kill somebody physically, to believe that you have killed somebody. You, okay? But he said, let me tell you God's version, heaven version, the kingdom version, where we're supposed to be version. He says this, if you're angry at your brother without a cause, now you have murdered. Right? And so all of them looked at, so all of them looked at themselves. So they supposedly righteous people who have been prouding themselves as righteous people, they are all murderers now because they have all committed that. Right? He said, well, okay, in your own version, in your own understanding, in your religious setting, right? In your, I'm doing it right setting, in your, I am holy enough setting. He said, well, uh, your, your book says, thou shalt not commit adultery. They say, well, no, we didn't commit any, any, any adultery. We didn't commit any adultery. Jesus said, okay, let me give you heaven's version. Yeah. Let me give you the divine version. Let me give you where I am coming from version. Let me give you God's own version. He said, when you look at a woman with a lustful intention, he said, in the eyes of God, where I'm coming from, which is the origin, right? You have already committed it. Okay. So now all the righteous people who were around him now are adulterers. And don't forget all their lives, right? They have taught themselves perfect according to human standard, right? And so... If God was a God of judgment, as they call him to be, so, you know, by his own standard, he would have killed all of them. Because in God's eyes, they were all murderers. In, all, in God's eyes, they were all adulterers, right? Think about that. Think about the same people that were worshiping God, expert in the laws. In fact, were killing other people in the name of God. 
as God was as as far as God was concerned, they were murderers, right? Because because they have hated their brother, they have been angry at their brother without a cause, right? They have looked at women with lustful intentions. So in the eyes of God, and yet he did not kill them. He did not kill them. But what did he do? He came down in the person of Jesus Christ, our model, our example, so that their nature can be changed from human beingness to godness. From human beingness to godness. I'm making up these words uh, just to create a picture in your heart. You know, and that's what I was trying to explain last Sunday. And I've said this many times. You and I, no matter how good we are, no matter how we try to hustle, we cannot do better until we first be better. For you to do better, you have to be better, right? Because you cannot give what you don't have. QED, there's no other mathematics that is beyond that. What you don't have, you cannot give, okay? So, let me give you another example. Love, love. All the love you and I talk about, all the love you and I sing about, all the love that you and I make noise about is conditional love. No human being in our human beingness, we have no capacity to love unconditionally. It's just not true. No man, no man loves you unconditionally. Let's be truthful about this thing so that so that we can help humanity. No man loves you unconditionally. It's just not true, right? Yeah, we may try to manage each other, endure each other, and you know, do other stuff. But no, no, you know what unconditional love means? Unconditional love means that no matter what this person does, you still love them, right? You don't look at them from their faults, you don't look at them from their weakness, you don't look at them. No, our own love is conditional. Like I've explained this many times. When somebody comes to you, a sister, a guy comes to you and say, oh, the Lord, in fact, you know, church people, they say the Lord said, you know, why is the Lord saying? The Lord is saying it because, number one, they have looked at you. They think, well, you're attractive to them, number one. Or they think that this one will not give me issues. This one is good. They have considered all those facts. They have considered all those facts. So they are not coming to you or we, let me say now, we are not coming to you uh, because of love. No, we are coming to you because of self-preservation. We are trying to claim to love you for our own good because we have looked at it. We think you're good enough. You wouldn't break our head in the night. Uh, you know, you wouldn't steal our things. You wouldn't cheat on us. Uh, you'll be a very uh, a good woman who will make the home, you know, and that is why. See, in, in church, right? Think about it. In church, we talk about love, right? But when it comes to marriage, we not we we too, the church, we now teach uh, 14 women that you should never marry. 13 kinds of, of uh, sisters you should never say hi to. 20 kinds of men that you should never accept their marriage proposal. But we are talking about love. And these rules we are giving are conditional, are conditional things. That is requirement that people must meet before we commit to them. And it's the other way around. Sisters, when you say, I'm going to go and pray, I'm going to go and seek the face of the Lord to see whether what you will say, mm -mm, you are not seeking the face of any God. Mm -mm. What you're trying to do is to go and check whether this brother is good enough for you, whether this brother will not break your head. In fact, that's why you're going to ask God. You are going to ask God to make sure that this brother will not cheat on you. This brother will not beat you up. This brother, uh, you know, uh, you know, doesn't have some, you know, that that is it. So all we are doing at the level of man is self-preservation, even what we call love. And that is why, friend, for you and I to love more than this, first, our nature 
must change. Our nature must change. And that is what Jesus came to do, to show us an example of a different nature. When we take this nature, when we take this identity, then we are in a better place to manifest just like our Father. Praise God. Don't forget, the, for the fact that we are conditioned by environment is a proof, right? Is a proof that we also, we are conditionable. So that means if we elevate our thoughts, our minds, right? Outside of this realm to the heavenly realm, the heavenly one will condition us, right? So now in us, there is heaven here. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I was talking to somebody after service last Sunday concerning this whole conditioning thing. And I say to them, look, it's just that, you know, people's eyes are blind. By the way, I'm going to read the scripture now. People's eyes are blind. It is true. It is true that there are some certain things that are prevalent among certain population or certain communities, right? Like it is a, it is true that some people who come from certain area behave in a particular way. It is true. But then isn't that a proof that is environmental conditioning? Since this kind of behavior is prevalent amongst people who come from a particular area, isn't that the perfect proof to tell you that it's environmental conditioning? That if you remove that man to another environment and recondition them, they will be different. It's as simple as that. So, 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 beloved, I'm saying this to help you open up your heart. That's what I'm saying. Open up your heart. Oh, that you and I can come to those places where we no longer think about ourselves with respect to limitations. When our prayers are not based on limitations. When our imaginations, when nothing hinders our imaginations. Oh, we can dream from the side of heaven. We can speak from the heart side of heaven. We can think from the side of heaven. We can allow heaven to condition us even though we are on earth. Sir, that is what the world is waiting for. And that is the salvation that is waiting for. You and I have been conditioned by religion. You and I have been conditioned by environment. Now it's time to allow heaven to condition us. Now, I'm going to read this morning. This, this scripture is one, of course, you hear me say this scripture is my favorite. This scripture is my favorite. All of them are. But, but you will notice that at some certain time, there are some that come out more louder than others. You know why? Because that's what the Spirit of God is pointing our eyes to at that particular time. So, listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 13. He says, listen, he says, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm reading the TPT. Listen, he says, we are not like Moses. Don't forget this. We are not like Moses. What is Moses about? What does Moses represent? The religion that full, tries to follow God by the law. See, it's not what the Jews were doing is not different from what church does today. Let's understand this. Let's on whatever you call church today, right? All of them is not different. We have a we have a view of God that came out out of Jewish tradition. That's the that is the point. But the Bible says we are not like Moses who used a veil to hide the glory to keep the Israelites from, from staring at him as it faded. Haven't you noticed that's what happens, right? You, history has pointed to that. There's a lot of movements, a lot of glories. Guess what happened? They rose 
and they faded away. They rose and they faded away. That's what has happened. We have this move. They say, well, this is what what God is doing now. It will rise, it will fade away. Why is it that it never really stays? And over time, people keep trying to resurrect that, trying to go back to that instead of moving forward. He says, their minds, now look at what, look at what the challenge is here. And that's why I'm telling you all these friends, because it's a heart issue. Let me, let me just read this down and, and, and then I try to round up. He says, their minds were closed and hardened for even to this day, the same veil comes over their minds when they hear the words of the former covenant. Covenant. When they hear the words of the former covenant. Understand what the Bible is telling you here. In other words, listen, their condition, right? Their conditioning has kept them in a place and their minds are closed. Now, why does their mind needs to be open so that we can be reconditioned? Remember, 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 a man will do like man. A God, it will only take God to do like God. No human being can do like God, except that man is elevated from his human beingness. And that happens when the heart is open to receive the conditioning of the Holy Ghost so that your life is operating beyond you are human conditioning. You are environmental conditioning. Did you know, let me tell you, let me tell you how serious this is. Did you know that the language we speak conditions us? Did you know that? The language you were born into conditions you. Because that language is expression of thought, right? It conditions you. So these limitations are everywhere, sir. All of us are victims of this. The way forward is not to become religious. Uh-uh. It's like Jesus says, we go back, born again. We go back to our origin, to take our origin, to take our originality, to take who we are. And God has made that visible for us in the man, the Lord, that we, that we know as Jesus Christ. This is man that is God. God that is man, right? He came from heaven. Where did you and I come from? Let me ask you, okay? Let me just ask you, where did you and I come from? So when you think about yourself, where do you think you come from? No, you know what my origin is? You know what your origin is? I come from heaven because I come from my father. So when I think of myself, where do I come from? I ask myself, where do I come from? I say, I come from heaven, right? You know, when I say that, you know what I have done? I have removed myself from every earthly limitation, even though bodily I'm still dealing with some things, of course, because that's part of what we have been conditioned into, right? That's what we've been conditioned into. When you think about your health, where do you start thinking from? You start medically, you start thinking from your family history. That's where you start thinking from. They say, well, if your parent, if your father had this, you might have this, if your mother had this, that's where we start thinking from, right? Okay, so now, now think about it. But when I think of myself, where do I come from? I come from heaven, right? Okay. I come from heaven. Oh, I'm running out of time here. So uh, I will leave this scripture and finish it up tomorrow. But but let, let me complete this thought here. Think about it. If I think of myself of where I come from, and you know, that is what Jesus was saying that angered them. They knew he was born in Nazareth, right? They knew his mother, his physical mother. And apparently the person they thought was his father, right? And then he says to them, I'm the bread that came from heaven. Man, man. It, it made them very upset. But what he's teaching, what he was saying is to teach you and I who we are, where we really come from. I come from heaven. 
So if you should ask me, think about this, how funny this will sound. If, if you run into me in, a, in an airport or just maybe on the road or something, and you say, hey, where do you come from? I, I said, I come from heaven. Well, you will laugh it off, right? But did you know what I have done? I have actually blinded you. You know why? Just imagine, I, I, let me say I meet somebody outside, outside this country. Say, where you come from? I come from Nigeria. Guess what he thinks about? Frostarts. He thinks about 419ers. He thinks about Yahoo Yahoo people. So no matter how innocent I am, no matter how perfect I am, that's how he thinks about me. Now, I have to work very hard over the years to prove to him that I'm not like that. You see how limiting these things are? Where are you from? I'm from Nigeria. Oh, okay, thieves. Oh, fraudsters. Oh, I'm robbers. Oh, bad people, right? That's what they think about. That's what they think about. So the way you, he treats me now, the way he thinks about me now, right, is from the point of view of, well, this man is part of I'm robbers, even though I have never stolen. You see the point? So if somebody meets me and asks me, where you come from? I say, well, I come from heaven. He will laugh, right? He will laugh. He will jest. He will say I'm crazy, but that's fine. It's because he doesn't understand. But you know what I have done? Do you know what I have done? I have prevented him from judging me from anywhere. He can only say, well, this guy, oh, this guy is one of those, those religious people. Fine. It's better for you to think of me as an, an arm robber, right? When I have not arm robbed anybody, right? Okay, so I, I'm just, see, I, I'm, these things are factual. They're in front of us. And no, don't forget, no matter how born again I am, no matter how tongue-talking I am, that man thinks of me as a froster, right? It, he thinks of me as a froster. Even if he doesn't say it, he's thinking of, mm, he's, he's thinking, he's running all the negative news he has had about Nigeria, right? That's what he's thinking about first. And even though I'm innocent, but now I'm judged, right? So, friends, God, God listen, God has brought us somewhere. All I have asked is open heart. You have to, we cannot, as long as we approach life with the veil, we get the result of blind people. If we operate, follow God with a veil, veil of religion, veil of conditioning, that is the result we'll get. This time around, what we are saying is that let the heart be open. I started reading 2 Corinthians chapter 3 from verse 13. It's one of my favorite, of course, this time around. So I, I wanted to read it all the way down to verse number 18. Remember, what the, that place is saying is that the Holy Spirit is conditioning us now to the image of Son of God, to the image of Christ. Remember, if you are son of Adam, you will do like son of Adam. It will take sons of God to do like God. Simple. We have all done like Adam because we have operated as at the level of sons of Adam, sons of man. For you and I to do like God, we have to be upgraded to sons of God. That is what Jesus came to do, to show us this is you. You are a son of God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm going to stop here. And I'll come back to you again tomorrow by the grace of God. Please, the best we can do, beloved, is to spread this message. Spread this message as much as you can. This is the healing humanity needs. Don't forget, we said the glory is here. Now, you are beginning to walk in the reality of it. Shalom.